The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Monday, February 6, 2023. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. It's a beautiful day here in Auburn Opelika. Sun is shining, not a cloud in the sky. It's been a very busy day uh, today. We were on location earlier this afternoon over at Walk-Ons uh, on our sister station, Wings 94.3. Walk-Ons and Opelika opening up today. They had their grand opening. I had some uh, some fish tacos from over there. Man, they were good. And uh, they have 48 TVs and 48 beers on tap. So if you like a sports bar, that's the place to go, Walk-Ons. So we were over there a little bit earlier today uh, and uh, – a great time, and they again they were they're opening up today, so that's what we did. We've got a lot to talk about on the show today. Lots of Lee Scott basketball this week, Auburn high school basketball this week. There's a lot going on around the stations here at Auburn Network, so uh, we'll update you on everything going on. But again, hope you're all doing well. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7 for the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Carter, happy Monday, brother. How are you? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. Uh, I think it's it's always great to get back in the studio and start a week with you, buddy. I That's mean, right. And, and enjoy it every, every time. We're going to have six straight days together on this station because I'll be filling in more than likely for after the game this Saturday if yes. Jack is doing Auburn High. Now, the boys have to win to get to their area championship game on Saturday, but if that's the case, which I expect them to do, it'll be you and I for after the game this mm-hmm. Saturday uh, talking Auburn and Alabama. That's going to be a big game. Of course, you and Jack did after the game this past Saturday. Saturday, talking Auburn, Tennessee. Uh, I called in and, and uh, gave my thoughts on that, but that's where we're going to start today, coming up in just a few minutes. But sort of looking at what the rundown is today, talking Auburn basketball again, their loss on the road at Tennessee on Saturday. Uh, if you have not heard us give our thoughts, or if you have not given your thoughts and you'd like to, we'd love to hear from you. Phone lines are open today, 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. As you all know, Mondays are a very busy day here on On the Line. Coming up at 2.30, we have Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. We'll talk to him about Alabama basketball. We'll also talk about the new defensive coordinator in Tuscaloosa as they hire Kevin Steele over the weekend. We'll talk to him about that as well coming up at 2.30. So, always look Looking forward to uh, talking with Joey Blackwell. In hour number three, we'll talk some more recruiting from last week and just sort of get back into how big it was for Auburn basketball and Auburn football. Some of the guys that they pulled, some of the big names that they pulled in recruiting last week. 
And then at 3.30, it'll be Carter talking with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. I have to dip out a few minutes early, uh, get to go over to Lee Scott and call some Elite Eight basketball. The girls hosting Monroe. So I'll be leaving at 3.30. But Carter will handle the interview duties with Jacob Hillman. But until those interviews, phone lines are open. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And Carter, before we get into Auburn basketball over the weekend, some news out of the NFL today. A.J. Green retired. Did you see yeah, that? I did see a little bit about that here. Uh, I thought you you were going to hit me with, uh, I guess Sean Payton had his press conference. Oh, And they yeah. asked him about clock management, and he dropped the all-time dagger line on, on Nate Hackett with the, no, I don't expect the crowd to have to count down the play clock so we can get <laughs> snaps off. <laughs> no, I was not going that direction, but I did like that. Uh, no, I was going the uh, I was going the news that AJ Green, of course, played at Georgia way back when it seems like now, and then uh, played for the Bengals for a very long time. He retires with the Cardinals. This dude was an absolute stud. I mean, it, it, it's crazy to think back to him playing in college of how good he was in college and how good he was in the pros for so long and he played he played at the Cincinnati Bengals when they were just not good but he was and credit to him man he he was a really good player I enjoyed watching AJ Green play um and he's retiring today so I thought it was worth noting I mean he's a fantastic player man and I wouldn't have known this uh had I not just opened up a new tab on Google Chrome and had it prompted at the bottom for me to click on Today is also Bob Marley's birthday. I don't know why Google has a prompt that's like, do you want to explore the life of Bob Marley? Is that where they like change the the look of Google for the day? No, 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 no. It's literally, I'm, I'm on a new tab, and at the very bottom it says, explore the life and legacy of Bob Marley. I see that. There's a link. I see that. Yeah. That has nothing that, to do with what we're talking about. I know, but, but it's, like, is that not like really random? It is random, yeah. It is. But, I mean, it's Bob Marley, man. Why not? Right, I didn't. So today's his birthday, I guess. Yeah, what you said. Interesting. He's born, I guess, today. Seventy-eight years ago. Hmm. Didn't know that. Well, random facts. That's what you get when you come for on the line from two to four here on ESPN <laughs> one hundred six seven. That's what you get is random facts about whose birthday it is. It's Bob Marley's birthday. So there you go. But no, I did want to mention again that uh, AJ Green uh, retired today. Just. He was just a he was a freak of, of nature when he played the wide receiver position in college at Georgia. When he played in the NFL, this guy was unbelievable. And so I did want to at least mention that he did retire. AJ Green uh, finally did retire with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. If you remember, that's where he was. So AJ Green retires again. I just wanted to mention it. I thought it was uh, somewhat relevant. But we'll get into Auburn basketball because they went on the road. This weekend to the number two team in the country, Auburn ranked number 25. Their very long streak of being ranked in the AP poll was on the line, and we knew it was going to be tough, right? We knew it was going to be a a challenge for this Auburn team to go on the road, take down a number two Tennessee team in Thompson Bowling Arena, and Auburn had every possible chance to win this basketball game. They had every chance to do it, and just couldn't get it done. And Carter, I know that we have given our thoughts on after the game and, and, and even outside of radio, but for our listeners who didn't get a chance to catch after the game, who were not sitting with us on Saturday talking as friends, right? 
It's time for us to give some of our thoughts about what happened in Knoxville, Tennessee on Saturday. And again, phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners. 334-321-1390. Your thoughts about the performance on Saturday, where Auburn goes from here as they enter the toughest part of their schedule. Auburn loses on the road to Tennessee, 46-43. to Carter, what happened, man? You are, I know this going in, you are much more negative on the team than I am. <laughs> I am well, probably much more negative on the game. I'll say that. Okay. because. And then you, there's Jack, our good friend Jack Hutton, who still feels that this team is, I don't know, he's, he's a lot more confident than we are, that's for sure. I mean, Auburn opens the game on an 8-0 run. They get up 10-2, to and you feel like in that opening run, Auburn sets a tone. Auburn challenges Tennessee physically. Auburn takes it to them on the road. And then it felt like there was a timeout. I don't recall exactly when. Uh, it was around the media timeout at 1424 when it's a 10-4 game at that point in time. You saw Tennessee, it felt like they regrouped. You saw Plavchich come in, and he is crazy physical down low. I thought if you had uh, a ref crew that wanted, you could have fouled him out in the first five minutes he was on the court. He picked up three very quickly. But I think Auburn, when Tennessee responded, when they took the fight back to Auburn after Auburn set the tone, I thought Auburn cowered. I, re- I really did. I-, I thought that they let it affect them. You saw Jani Broom quit going toward the rim down low. He was looking for some weird... He was hesitant to shoot at first, and he was looking for some weird pivot, pass out, or fade away little like post move. And he needs to be going to the rim. Especially... With Plavchich on the court with three fouls. Mm-hmm. Plavchich came back in in the first half with three fouls, and Auburn was afraid to go at him. And and I don't think Jalen Williams played physical enough on the offensive end. The rebounding numbers for Auburn for the game are not horrific. When you look at individuals, I mean, Wendell grabbed seven boards, Jalen nine boards, Janai nine boards, eight boards for Alan Flanagan. But when you watch that game, Tennessee's effort was there on both ends, especially on the glass, especially on the offensive glass, where they got 15 offensive rebounds. Tennessee was trying. They just couldn't score. And Auburn's defense was good. There are moments where Auburn's on offense and Auburn shoots a shot and it is one Auburn player down low in the paint Battling three, four Tennessee defenders mm-hmm. for the, the the rebound. There was one where somebody missed a three or something, and Zep Jasper starts running back on defense while the ball's in the air, like which we know we know this isn't true for this Auburn team, like it's a Clay Thompson Steph Curry three, and it's like automatic it's gonna go in. I don't think that's what's happening. I just think he's Worried about getting back on defense, but quite literally, the ball bounces hard off the side of the rim because 
There's several guys on Auburn's team that don't get the ball in the cylinder on their three-point attempts, and I think about Katie Johnson for that. Mm-hmm. But the ball ricochets hard right to where Zepp had been. And if Zepp has a step or two moving forward, he gets that ball with a chance to get some sort of jump stop open mid-range because Tennessee hasn't reacted to it yet. And it's like it's moments like that, like I just don't feel like this team has the same effort on the glass that we see by opponents. And I know the rebounding numbers aren't super drastic. You only lose the rebounding battle by five. But when you take into account the fact that Tennessee shot eight more shots, so the the opportunity, you're much more likely to get a de- defensive rebound. So the opportunity to get a defensive rebound is a lot higher. That's why Auburn has 34 of them in the game to Tennessee's 32. Auburn shot 55 shots. Tennessee also missed more free throws. So there, there's more opportunities for offensive rebounds. They went and got 15 on, six, on uh, 63 shots. Auburn got 8 on 55. Like, I just don't think the, the effort on the glass was even. I don't think the physicality down low was even. Um, I thought Auburn's offensive possessions, they were not good. There were long stretches of the game where it looked like Auburn wasn't running a set. It looked like Wendell Green's drilling the air out of the ball. Maybe a late pass with under five seconds left on the shot clock. Or he's driving into some sort of traffic in the mid-range and he has nowhere to go and he picks up his dribble and nobody's moving to the basketball to go help him. And that, like, that's something that I hate. I also hate Wendell Green gets fouled at one point and he's sitting on the ground. It takes five seconds for anybody to come help him up. And, and I like what Wendell's doing because that's what you're supposed to do as a team in basketball is you sit on the ground and you wait for your teammate to come help you up. Janai does that. And you're supposed to really good. You've seen some really good teams. There's multiple guys going to help the guy up. There's one for Auburn, and it takes forever for him to get there. I just don't feel like there's a sense of urgency in in, in the little things with this team. That's a good point. I like that. Because that's always something I've thought about and, and noticed in basketball is, yeah, it, and look, if you're not familiar with basketball, you're not a huge basketball fan, that sounds kind of childish, yes, right? It, I, it, I it, sounds it, kind of, it, it sounds kind of, spoiled's not the right word, but that's the one I'm going to go with. It's like, okay, you got knocked down. Pick yourself up. Get up. But that's a basketball thing, right? That's a thing that people do, that teams do. But you're right. Good teams and well-coached teams and well-structured teams, when somebody gets knocked on the floor, you see two, three, four guys sprint over to help them up. You see it sometimes in the NBA, and more likely than not, those teams are off winning championships. Same thing in college basketball, and you're right. That's a really good point. Auburn doesn't do that. And credit to Ed. He's a caller. He's a a very loyal listener to our show in this station. He has talked about multiple times in the past week or so about how things just seem a little off with this team. Maybe it's in the locker room or the chemistry or whatever. And I think he's right, Carter. I think he's right. Something is not there with this team mentally together, chemistry-wise. And look, this team, what you are seeing right now, This is what they are. This is what they are. They scored 43 points on Saturday on the road against a number two team in the country. You cannot expect to win when you do that. And yet, they only lost by three. Their defense was great. We know that. Their defense was great. Their offense was bad. And it was not Tennessee's defense that stopped them. 
It's just Auburn's offense. It's the it's the group of guys that are on this team right now. It's the Bruce Pearl offense when you don't have shooters. Because dribbling the basketball and making one pass or taking a tough three, that works when you have guys that are actually able to make shots. When they can create their own shot and bury it when they have to. There is not a soul on this team that I have confidence in shooting the basketball. There's not a soul. Jani Broom underneath went 5 of 13. He also shot a 3, which should never happen. Jayla Williams went 1 of 10 after a performance earlier in the year of 1 of 9 where we said that shouldn't happen again. It's even worse on Saturday. Wendell Green, 2 of 10. 2 of 9 from the 3-point line. Again, that happens every game with him. You look at Allen Flanagan, 3 of 11. And then Zeb Jasper, who watches everybody else shoot. And then... Nobody else on the bench did anything either. KD went 2 of 6. That's a side story. We'll talk about him in just a second. But nobody on this team can shoot effectively. And that's the problem is, A, they can't shoot effectively. And B, there's not offense being ran to help them shoot effectively. Because, sure, they got some open shots on Saturday and they didn't make them. But they also had some really, really tough shots that they take every single day and every single game that they're not going to make, even if it was Jabari Smith out there, a lot of these shots would be tough for him to make. And that's the problem I have, is yeah. this team is what they are right now, and there's nothing that tells me that it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. I just don't think it will. Something that, a narrative that I've seen on Twitter, talking about this team, like shot var- bad shot variants, like Auburn should have hit more of their looks. They got some good looks, they just didn't hit them. That's well and good within reason to me. Like, that, to me, that plays with Jalen Williams. One for ten. He's a guy that doesn't do that. He's a guy that's your best three-point shooter. He doesn't really go 0 for 4 from three ever. I do think that he struggled. I thought Tennessee had him scouted very well. Uh, They were ready for him to go to his left hand. He tried to go to his right hand. I think he struggled with that. Uh, Because they sat sat on that hand. They sat on it hard. He was comfortable. I think that I don't think he was physical enough on the offensive end. But when I look at when you want to talk about shot variance, and we talk about Wendell Green shooting nine threes, going two of nine, and we talk about Katie Johnson going zero for three from three. I don't want him shooting threes at all. Wendell Green is a 28.6% three-point shooter this year. He's not good at it. He shouldn't be taking nine of them. Katie Johnson, 25.7% from three. Yeah, exactly. And I tweeted about it on Saturday. I said, and I pulled up the stats before, during the game, I looked it up. In the first half, Auburn was ranked 327th out of 360 teams or something in America in three-point percentage, yet they shot over 10 of them in the first half. They shot like they were like one of 11 after Janai took a three, right? And I said, does this team realize that they're not good at shooting threes, or do they actually believe that they can? And I, I hate to talk this way, I do, but it just doesn't seem like they understand that they are not a good three-point shooting team, which is okay. You don't have to shoot threes to win. You need some, but you don't have to just shoot 53s to win a basketball game. we got to get to our first break. We'll continue talking Auburn basketball on the road at Tennessee on Saturday. They lose 46-43. What are your thoughts? We'd love to hear from you, our listeners. 334-321-1390. We'll break it down some more when we come back. 
on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader for the Monday edition of On the Line. Continuing to talk about this Auburn basketball game on the road Saturday at Tennessee, their 46-43 loss. And, you know, we've, we've had this conversation before, and what's what's tough about this is just looking ahead for Auburn and what's coming up. We've talked about it a lot. The month of February may be the hardest schedule in college basketball for any team. Starting with that game on Saturday on the road at Tennessee, you go on the road this week at A&M. You come home for number three, Alabama, for college game day. Auburn is no longer ranked. Uh, their streak is over. It was a nice one, but it's also over. And you have Missouri at home. Shouldn't be horrible. Vanderbilt on the road. Shouldn't be bad. Hopefully, I'll be there. My, by the way, my record on road games for Auburn, not great, just to keep that in, just to put that out there. Well, I, 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 everybody I know that goes to road games, they don't win. The only ones I've seen Auburn win on the road, I've seen, knock on wood, they've never lost in Coleman Coliseum when I've gone. I think I've seen them play there three times now. They're 3-0, and and I've seen them seen them win in Nashville a couple times for the SEC tournament, and I saw them win in the Elite Eight in Kansas City when they beat Kentucky. But this, because we take a guy's trip every year, me, my dad, and some of our friends, right, we take a guy's trip every year to a road Auburn basketball game. This will be our fifth one. And I think we're over four. So the only Auburn sporting events on the road that I've been to where Auburn has won are a few trips to Oxford, watching Auburn beat Ole Miss in football. There you go. And a single road trip to Knoxville in 2013. Ah. When Nick Marshall threw the ball seven times, completed three passes, and Auburn still hung fifty. Yeah. on that team. That was an awesome game. That was so much fun. But uh, they were very angry with how that went down. Yes, yeah, they were not happy. But yeah, I will be at Vanderbilt. Uh, gosh, is that next weekend? Is that next weekend? Wow. Okay, time's flying by. But yeah, my <laughs> record on the road for Auburn basketball not great. So. Throw that in the mix. Ole Miss should be fine, and then we've talked about the end of it at Kentucky, at Alabama, home for Tennessee. So. Auburn better figure it out. I don't know how. I don't know what they're going to do to figure it out, but they better figure it out Mm -hmm. because it does not get easier. And I've talked about a possibility. I don't think it happens. I don't think it happens. But there is a possibility where Auburn could play themselves out of the NCAA tournament. There's a possibility. If they just crater completely and lose out or win one game. Lose out's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Like... Ole Miss is on the schedule. Vanderbilt's on the schedule. That that, that like Auburn's going to get one. I agree. At least I agree. <laughs> but I'm confident in two games on the rest of this schedule. Two. I'll say three, and I feel pretty good about Auburn picking up at least one of the other five. I'm glad you do. I feel I like I I told you this on Saturday when. You and I were hanging out with Jack uh, after after the game. I think tomorrow is somewhat of a last stand for Auburn from a toughness and physicality perspective because A&M took it to you at your place. You were not ready for it. They were 
vastly more physical than you were. And it got to you. It bothered you. And it was apparent. Well, that happened. And then they kind of danced on your grave on social media a little bit. Then your last game is against Tennessee. And Tennessee does the same thing. I have to believe there is going to be a physical challenge to this Auburn team. Hey, what y'all are doing is not good enough. Remember the last time you played this A&M team and they pushed you around? You've got to answer the call. You've got to be more physical. And if Auburn does that, and I don't think Tyrese Radford is going to go off like he did, he's a pretty inconsistent player when you watch him. Yes. If Auburn answers the call physically, Auburn's going to win in College Station. Tomorrow is a really, really big game mentally. And that's sort of where you were going with that. Mentally for this team, Auburn needs this. Man, they need this win bad. Even if they don't win, they need to compete and just shoot the ball well. Score some points, man. But a win would be big for this Auburn team tomorrow. And I'm with you, partner. I think if... If Auburn goes on the road tomorrow and gets just beat, not just lose, but get beat start to finish, and you like the first time around against Texas A&M where A&M walked in your building and just absolutely beat you, this could be really, really bad for Auburn mentally, physically, emotionally. This is where you could see the season just go straight into the ground because, look, the Jets flying right now, one engine has already popped off. It's already fallen to the ground. Tomorrow could be the other one, catch on fire okay. and just crumble. Because if you can't get up and go and play at A&M, how are you going to play against Alabama this weekend? Yeah. How are you going to go on the road and take on a nasty Vanderbilt team that they're not great, but they can hang with people? And how are you going to end I, the season? I don't think that, that Vandy team is as nasty as you're making them out to be right well, now. Well, I don't think they're great, think, but if Auburn doesn't if, play well, they can beat Auburn. If we were talking about this two weeks ago, yes. I don't know if you've watched that Vanderbilt team recently. They're crumbling. They are cratering. Much like we saw LSU do right after they played Auburn. Yeah. They're like, I don't think Vandy's what you think they're gonna be. I think Auburn, regardless, you have game day Saturday, Alabama at home. Environment's gonna be awesome. You're gonna be able to get up for that. I don't know if you win though. Yeah, we've got some more uh, time to talk about all of that. But Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, joining us when we come back. Auburn Sports Leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. Well, welcoming in our Monday 2.30 guest, it is Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Again, he joins us every Monday here on the show. Joey, happy Monday, man. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. We'll start on the football side of things where the Alabama Crimson Tide hired a uh, very common known, very well-known, I should say, name at the defensive coordinator position. Kevin Steele will now become the new defensive coordinator in Tuscaloosa for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Just your initial response and thoughts on on the defensive coordinator hire. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think it was a good choice, you know, for, for a lot of reasons. I think he, you know, Kevin Steele really, <clears throat> excuse me, understands Nick Saban. You know, he, he probably knows him better than most others that defensive assistants under him outside of maybe probably Kirby Smart. But, um, very, you know, very well ingrained in that in the Alabama system during his time, his two stints actually in Tuscaloosa. Obviously, he's very familiar with the SEC, having worked at LSU, having worked at Auburn for a good bit. Um, he has he brings a lot of experience with him. Um, I think he's going to fit in really well there. He, I know um, during his time at Auburn, you know, they, there were a lot of videos posted of him, you know, in his way to motivate players in the locker room, and I think that was something that uh, the Alabama team was missing last year. So hopefully, he can kind of help Saban and Alabama kind of get back to the basics and restore the defense that's been kind of uh, lackluster of these past couple of seasons. Joey, was there any reason why it felt like this process, especially for defensive coordinator, kind of drug on there for a little bit? There are a lot of names being thrown around, Todd Grantham, uh, Jeremy Pruitt, and then we seem to settle on Kevin Steele. Was this Nick Saban's first choice? And exactly how did that process kind of shake out? Yeah, you know, I think I think there were a lot of factors at play. Um, I think first and foremost, Jeremy Pruitt was, from what my sources have said, um, was was interviewed for the position. Did talk with Saban a good bit um, about the job, and I think this is just you know speculation, but I believe they were probably waiting um, to see what the, what the situation was with Pruitt in regards to his ongoing um, uh, you know, uh, situation with University of Tennessee. Obviously, you don't want to hire somebody that has a lot of baggage. Um, so I think that was that provided a lot of hesitancy on their part to hire Pruitt. Obviously, they ultimately decided not to, um, and they went the Kevin Steele direction. Um, but Kevin Steele is a guy that also knows Pruitt very well. Um, I think that with Steele, you have somebody that Saban has known for a long time. You know, when 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 Kevin was injured, uh, uh, interviewed back in 2021, he talked about how he knew. Saban for 40 years because they met when Saban was, I believe he was a, he was a staffer at Ohio State uh, when they first met. So they're both very you know familiar with each other, and it did take a while for them to come to this conclusion, but I, I still think it's a, it's a firm hire, especially considering how long the process took. Speaking with Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, what's been the Alabama fan response of Kevin Steele as the defensive coordinator? Because, uh, look, he's a name that's been around the SEC a few times. He's been around the game of college football a very long time. But uh, according to Twitter, seems like it's hit or miss right now. Yeah, you know, but we were we were one of the – we weren't the first. We were one of the first outlets to report on you know, Steele potentially being considered for the job. And you can just look at our social media interactions there um, to see what the thought was. Um, I don't think the reaction was initially good, but I will say um, in the 24 hours, 36 hours since that news came about, um, I think there has been a shift in tone. Um, I think Steele has has a proven track record of being a a fairly successful um, defensive coordinator in the SEC. And it's, it's, Argue, it's arguable that you know at Alabama he probably will have the best personnel that he's had um, at, at any point during his career. Um, he'll have the, he'll have a really solid group of players. He has a lot of really young players this year that he can develop um, and can kind of build from the ground up instead of having to you know rewrite everything for um, some you know the veteran guys. So I think I think it's a good hire. I, I think. Alabama fans will come around to him. Um, we've, like I said, we've already seen that over the past 24 hours or so, and I think 
by the time they see him on the field and, you know, we get to talk to him a couple of times, I'm sure Alabama fans will feel a lot better. But ultimately, it's all going to come down to how effective this defense is this fall. Does it have anything to do with the fact that he coached at Auburn for, for a few years? Does that play into Alabama fans' dislike of the hire initially? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it has to, to a certain degree. Um, when Kevin Steele was at Alabama, I'm sorry, was at Auburn, um, Auburn had relative success um, against Alabama. I haven't, I haven't exactly looked back, but I, I'm pretty sure he beat Alabama at least a couple of times um, while he was down there. So, uh, you know, it's... Um, that, that definitely left a sour taste in Alabama fans' mouths, but um, I, I think it's something they, they can overcome in time. I mean, shoot, there's a lot of Alabama fans that want to see Lane Kiffin be Alabama's next head coach, and um, who would have who would have thought that just a few years ago? So um, only time will tell how they come around to it. Joey, it wasn't the only coordinator position that's been filled in the past week or so. As on the offensive side, Tommy Reese, the uh, Notre Dame offensive coordinator and Notre Dame alum uh, is now the offensive coordinator at Alabama. How how do you feel about that hire, and how is the uh, fan base reacting to that one? Yeah, you know, I think you get a lot of good things with bringing Reese. You know, I think you, first and foremost you get consistent production. Um, you know, he aims for you know above the above average and, and gets it. But um, third down percentage was something that Alabama struggled with repeatedly um, last year. Um, and uh, on the whole, when he was at Notre Dame, they were a really, really solid third down team. Um, they also have good drive uh, offenses under him. Have had good drive efficiency. Um, they've done. They've historically done a really good job at um, minimizing negative plays and turnovers. Um, but there is, you know, there is some some reservations about him too. You know, underperformance of you know of output. Um, there are some, you know, negative negative uh, drives are, are were a big part. A lack of explosion, which he didn't have at at Notre Dame, um, and so I think what we have to remember, though, is that at a at a school like Alabama, I think you're going to have a, a much deeper talent pool to to prove from. I mean, that's why we saw Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame to head to LSU because mm-hmm. in the SEC, it's much easier to to recruit and to bring in big talent than it is um, up at Notre Dame. So. I think, you know, it's kind of putting a guy that's been limited with his toys and now he's been giving a lot of fun toys to play with, you know, and I think we could see that production uptick. I think it was, it's kind of a similar situation to Steele. You know, I, I think it's not what, not, not the first choice the Alabama fans had, definitely not. Um, of course, most Alabama fans want Joe Brady or Cliff Kingsbury, but you're not going to get those <laughs> home run hires every time. Um, I think Tommy Rees is a very reasonable get for Alabama, and I think he has more potential here than he has than he, than he ever had at Notre Dame. Would you say it's going to take Reese a little bit longer to adjust to being a coach in the SEC versus Kevin Steele, who uh, again, who's been around the conference for a very long time? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that that's one of the reasons Steele was hired was because that learning curve isn't really there. Um, he'll have to adjust to Nick Saban. He'll have to, well, not, not Nick Saban. He'll have to adjust to the program and how Alabama is. But at the same time, he's been there before. You know, he's been there twice under Saban. He was his first defensive coordinator all the way back in 2007, and he was director of player personnel and a couple of other roles. Um, so his familiarity with the program is definitely one of the reasons he was hired. And then when you look over at, at, at Reeves, there definitely is a strong learning curve there. He's, you know, coached against SEC teams, um, but he hasn't, you know, had to had to be the coach of one. So um, I, I think there is that learning curve there, but I think it's definitely one that he can overcome. Um, 
given his track record of developing Notre Dame's offenses and given um, that he has a lot you know, more tools at his disposal. Joey, with, with both of these hires being made, do we view this as a successful cycle hiring two coordinators? Uh, will the fan base view it that way, or are we, or are we going to have to wait until the ball actually kicks off here in the fall of 2023? I think, I, I think we'll have to wait just because with Alabama fans in general, they, they gauge success based off of how many W's are in the win column. Um, they could judge success based off of if you're able to win a national championship. I would say that I think standards are probably a little bit lower this year coming off of, you know, a Sugar Bowl win and you're having to replace both, you know, both coordinators. Um, I, I think if Alabama can make the playoff or make a New Year's six, I think fans will be, will be happy with that. Um, but I, I, I do agree that I think we're just going to have to wait and see um, how many W's are put in that win column? You know, how successful is the offense? How stifling is the defense? You know, there's also a huge amount of turnover when it comes to players this year. We've had a lot of players leave and not very many come in the portal. Um, they do have, of course, the number one signing class, but those are all freshmen, so and they'll, they'll take time to develop. So there's a lot more questions around this Alabama team than there typically are heading into, heading into you know, spring camp. So, um, but like I said, I think once we get to talk to both of them and, and get their you know, get their feel get a feel for their approach to this program, I think that'll go a long way in helping uh, calm down Alabama fans heading into the season. Well, there's no doubt Nick Saban is used to adjusting, having to to start over with new coordinators just about every single year at Alabama. Talking to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central, he joins us every Monday here on On the Line. Let's switch to basketball now. Alabama goes on the road over the weekend. They quietly get a 10-point win, 79-69 at LSU. Um, Not one of those wins that many people are talking about, but again, it's a double-digit win on the road in the SEC. What'd you see and what'd you like? Yeah, um, I thought it was a it, it was a it was a solid um, performance for them. Sorry, I'm trying to type an email right now. There we go. It's done. It's sent. <laughs> um, very very busy day over here at the uh, Blackwell. Hey, duty calls, man. Duty but, calls. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, I, I I saw a lot that I liked. And once again, this is an Alabama team that proved that um, you know even when their best shooters aren't having a, a good night, that the others can step up. You know, in the first half, Brendan Miller and Mark Sears. Pretty much did next to nothing, but we saw a couple of guys, you know, in in um, Ryland Griffin and um, uh, and Amari Burnett step up. You know, Burnett finished the game with 13 points. Griffin was tied for the team lead um, with 14 points. He tied with Noah Clowney, so they were able to really just keep the offense going, even when the two shooters had a rough, you know, first half. And then second half, we did see, of course, Sears and Miller kind of return to what we're used to seeing from them. So. At this point, you know, it's really all about staying power for Alabama and, and keeping, you know, hold the top of the schedule um, of, of the SEC. You know, right now they do have a, a tough next couple of games here. Um, of course, you know, none other than, of course, Tennessee. They also have Auburn coming up. Um, they do host Florida this week, and Florida, you know, is a – I wouldn't say they're underrated, but they're not as bad of a team as people think they are. Their schedule is – I'm sorry, their record is very misleading. They're actually a very solid team, and – then of course they have to travel to Auburn in the in probably the game of the week um, for many people, and then you have the Tennessee game, um, their final back-to-back road stretch of the year. So the road doesn't get any easier, but if Alabama can go two and one over these next three games, that will go a a, a long way um, to securing the the SEC regular season and that number one seed in the uh, SEC tournament. 
When you look at those next three games, how exactly do you see each one playing out? I mean, obviously, Florida at home appears to be the easiest of the three. But uh, when Mm -hmm. you look at that game and then you look at what's going to be a very raucous environment with game day at Auburn on Saturday, how might that affect this Alabama team? You know, I, I see them going two and one over the stretch. I, I see them beating Florida um, on Wednesday night. I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think it's going to be. Um, I, I I really think that Florida, you know, particularly Colin Castleton, is just a phenomenal player. I, I think they can really um, keep hang up. You know, they can they can, they can hang close to Alabama for you know the first um, thirty minutes or so of the game. Um, I think depth will be honestly will be what pushes Alabama to the end there to the win. I think Bama splits the the season series with Auburn. I think they'll lose down at Auburn. Um, I think it'll be their first SEC loss of the season, um, and that will actually in the ultimately be a good thing for Alabama because with that loss, uh, we've seen Alabama time and time again bounce back after losses this year. And I think that that loss will serve as a motivating factor when they head to Tennessee next Wednesday. So I th- I think they'll. Beat Florida, lose at Auburn, and then they'll they'll beat Tennessee next week, and that'll essentially, you know, if they can coast to the end, that'll wrap up the regular season title for them. And um, I think Auburn fans would take that at this point. If I'm an Auburn fan and I hear that we can beat Alabama at home and then lose at Coleman, I mean, I, in my opinion right now, I think that's a that's a good outlook. Yeah, especially <laughs> with how this team's playing right now, Joey. And look, I'll give you credit, man. Yeah. You've been consistent on 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 Alabama losing at Auburn. You've been on that train for a couple of weeks now. I haven't I haven't backed down yet. Now they could prove me wrong and beat Auburn by thirty, or they could also lose by thirty. It's the uh, the tale as old as time with Alabama basketball. Uh, they're consistently inconsistent, so um, yeah. we'll just have to see uh, have to see what happens. <laughs> well, it should be a good one. One o'clock on ESPN Saturday, of course. Like Carter mentioned, ESPN's college game day will be here in Auburn, uh, the third time uh, here in the last couple of years for Auburn and Alabama. But uh, Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, again, he joins us every Monday, two thirty, right here on On the Line, man. We appreciate you and your time every single week. I know it's a busy time, man. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you, what you got coming out in the next couple of days at Bama Central. Absolutely. As always, everybody can follow me on Twitter at Black Wolf Sports. You can also find um, pretty much all my writings at BamaCentral.com with all my co-writers cover, of course, Alabama. And it's almost baseball season, y'all. So uh, yes. I've got some baseball features coming up this week. I've got a season preview coming out next week, and then I'll be at opening weekend for the Crimson Tide. So a basketball season might still be going, and that's wrapping up. But you still got a lot of baseball coming to be excited about. So that'll, that'll about do it, and uh, thank you guys for having me. Yep, we appreciate it. That is Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Again, he joins us every Monday here on On the Line at 2.30, talking all things Alabama athletics, uh, football, basketball. And like he mentioned, we'll get into some baseball coming up in just a couple of weeks. So excited to have him on every single week. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. 
Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central. Again, he joins us every Monday at 2.30 talking all things Alabama athletics, so we appreciate him and his time every single week talking Alabama football, basketball, and we'll get into some baseball coming up in just a couple of weeks. But as we wrap up the hour, I'm going to go ahead and jump the gun a little bit on our question of the day because it relates to a conversation we just had with Mr. Joey Blackwell. Carter, question of the day to you and all of our listeners, 334-321-1390. With the hiring of Kevin Steele as the defensive coordinator at Alabama, should Auburn fans be worried about him as their defensive coordinator? Yes. 100% yes. He like We forget how good of a defensive coordinator Kevin Steele is. And people, right or wrong, hold stuff that happened at Auburn against him. And try to knock him for not being what... I mean, he's a good defensive coach. I'd say the same thing if Derek Mason was the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Derek Mason's a really good defensive coach. And I think he was hamstrung by Brian Harson. Uh, I think... I think Kevin Steele will do very, very well. I think schematically he's one of the best minds in college football. I think it's a very good hire. I think it's a very good hire. And Auburn fans that are laughing at the hire should maybe take a second and relax and let the results play out. Um, But, yeah, he's a really good defensive mind. Yeah, he is, and I'm I'm with you. I think this is a a great hire for Alabama because of his experience in college football, his experience in the SEC, his experience with Nick Saban, and I think Joey brought up a really, really good point talking about the discipline factor – and the focus factor and the motivation factor that he brings to his players and his defenses. Auburn was nasty on defense when he was here. Like, and he gets guys to really play. Good defensive line. Rodney Garner got the talent, and I think he schemed it up yeah. really well. Look, he gets guys to play and all, play hard and be disciplined. And Joey's right. Alabama was missing some of those things on defense this year, and they have for a couple of years now. His players loved him. Uh, he. In one-off game scenarios, he's about as good of a mind as it gets. You think back to 2019 against LSU, he threw the 3-3-5 at Joe Burrow and LSU and held him to 23 points. Georgia, like he fits his his skill and his the he fits the the skill level and what his players can do. Their skill sets the best. Because Auburn did that. Georgia tried to copy it in the SEC championship game, but they didn't have a Derrick Brown in the middle who could wreck the pocket, and it didn't work. But like the, he is a really good defensive coach, and he would do really well at Alabama. Especially, and this is something to keep an eye on, because I think I, think I truly believe Nick Saban's top two candidates for this defensive coordinator position, I don't care what the – Beat writers or the message boards or whatever say, I think it was Jeremy Pruitt and Kevin Steele. And he got one of the two. And the other one may not have been able to be the defensive coordinator. There's a lot of speculation about that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think he'll probably be an analyst on this staff. And if you have both on that staff, you're talking about a lethal combination. Calling, setting up, installing, and calling the defense for Alabama. And a defense that has not been as dominant as it used to be, right? And I think, again, Kevin Steele can bring that back to Alabama. And so the question is, 
that's sort of what we're talking about. Should Auburn fans be worried about Kevin Steele at Alabama? Absolutely. You should be worried about Kevin Steele anywhere. The guy's really, really good. He's a great coach. He, and, he just and is. And don't hold year one at Miami against him because look at what Miami his is. Players, Miami's a dumpster fire for a lot of reasons. He's going to do well at Alabama. He is going to do well. And and it's really easy with the way things ended at Auburn and the way things went at Miami this past year to point at this hire and make fun of it. And I'd, I'd just tell people who are doing that to maybe be a little more hesitant because I think this is a much better hire than you realize. Tommy Reese, I don't know. Right. I, I'm not on the – Tommy Reese, eh. I, I, that one truly we are going to have to wait and see like Joey said. Now, Tommy Reese has talent he's never had. And he took Drew Pine at quarterback, and they scored 39 points per game in their last seven games. If he can do that, I would imagine he can do better uh, at Alabama. We'll have to wait and see. Hour number one is officially in the book. Stay tuned. We'll talk some Auburn recruiting at hour number two coming up. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend as hour number one is officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two of the Monday edition of On the Line is underway right here on ESPN 106.7. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on Monday. This Monday, February 6th, 2023. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com. Click on the Podcast Center. You'll find a commercial free right there, right after the show. Or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We talked uh, Auburn basketball after they lost on the road at Tennessee on Saturday. We also talked to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, about um, Alabama hiring Kevin Steele as their defensive coordinator. Talk to him about Alabama basketball as they get ready to play Florida and then come on the road and take on Auburn on Saturday. So that was a great call. So if you missed any of that in the first hour, go and catch up with the podcast again, ESPNAU.com. But here in the second hour, we're going to get to the phone lines in just a second. We'll also have Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network join us at 3.30. So that's what's coming up. We'll talk recruiting with him, basketball, maybe even preview a little baseball as well. But Let's get to the phone lines to start hour number two. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And Ed is on the line to start hour number two. Welcome in, Ed. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, listen, I was just going to comment on a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, first off, uh, if there's any Auburn fans, I, you know, any of the Auburn fans that I know, people that I know, I don't know anybody that's uh, discounting or disrespecting Kevin Still, you, you know, 
that there might be some people that don't know football that are doing it. But everybody <laughs> yeah. I know, you know, knows that he's a very good. And like you mentioned, well, what he did, we held uh, Joe Burrow and LSU to the fewest. You know, I mean, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. He yes, did that, you know, in that game. But um, the, the next thing uh, on your previous guest, I don't know why. Alabama people always made fun of Auburn being afraid to to, to embrace success, and it seems like Alabama. If anybody thinks that Auburn's got some kind of secret weapon that Alabama can't win, I'd like to. I'd, you know, I'd like to get him to lay a little money on uh, on Auburn beating Bama, and I bet you he wouldn't. And, and it, it, you know, but that I, the one thing I was calling you about mm-hmm. that was the third thing, the main thing. Uh, as far as your NIL money, does that only apply to scholarship players? Because Alabama is racking up on uh, getting preferred walk-ons. No, you know. So, so I mean, NIL money is open money. is open to anybody. Anybody that's not – there's a lot more red tape if you're an international student. I know that some people have figured out how to – like Oscar Sheway at Kentucky. Kentucky's figured out a way to get him NIL money. If you're an international student, it's very difficult. But other than that, I think it's open to everybody. uh, Okay. So there is no scholarship limit, basically. If you can just, you know, get preferred walk-ons and you can say, hey, you're – you know, I want this kid here. There is no scholarship limit anymore. If that's and yeah. I think what you're saying is true. Yeah, I mean and, that's and that's if, an interesting way to put it. Hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing as or, or twenty thousand dollars a year, whatever. That's the same thing as a scholarship to me. So there is no scholarship limit anymore right now. Yeah, I mean that's that's that right? A, right. Yeah, I mean that's kind of. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a great way to put it, and it's a great perspective on that because you're right. I mean, if you don't technically have to have the scholarship to get paid twenty thousand dollars, you know, then yeah. Ed was Carter. While you were answering the phone, Ed was sort of saying instead of giving this kid a scholarship, just give him twenty thousand dollars of nil money, and what's the difference? I mean, I think I think Auburn's done a lot better in the preferred walk on game this cycle than we've seen previously. I mean, Auburn's got an Under Armour All American kicker who passed up scholarship offers to other schools to come to Auburn. Well, I think I, that, I'm, I'm not I'm not blaming Alabama. I mean, Bama has racked up several here lately i'm not i'm yeah. not blaming alabama i'm just i'm just asking in general no i think it's you a know, great it's, it's a great question it's just because i mean it gets very expensive if you start handing out a, the equivalent of scholarships to to walk-ons but but you could still probably i i, I don't know it to me it, it just seems like a, a little that we've they've got to some i mean Sometime in the future, near future, they've got to make some kind of rules about something because it's just, to me, it's just it's just mayhem right now. And I, and, and I credit Nick Saban; he, he has always been a a, a master of, of of finding or people that's around him find the loopholes and how to use this. But uh, Alabama has signed, or, or I, you know, I read the paper all the time. You know, keep up. And, and, and there have been several, you know, three stars and some other guys mm-hmm. that, uh, the, you know, that uh, 
And, and uh, like I said, it's not just Bama, but they're doing a lot yep. of it this year. Yep. But, all right, guys, War Eagle. Hey, we appreciate, appreciate the call. That Look, that's, a, that's an interesting point to bring up. And you know what? That's one of those things with NIL that – we're just going to have to learn and figure out and adjust to because, yeah, realistically, that could be an, an option yeah, to where, I mean, oh, we don't have a scholarship to give you, but we do have this $25,000 NIL money we could give you. Yeah, I reached out to a National College fo- football writer early in the NIL process, and I asked him, I was like, hey, just so I'm clear, like, what's stopping a team from putting together a an NIL package equivalent to a scholarship and maybe and then some for a walk-on and landing maybe and and skirting the 25-man scholarship rule. And he was like, nothing. It would just look suspect and somebody would raise some flags. But, I mean, somebody's going to try it. And I was like, yeah, I agree. But uh, also, I mean, the 25-man scholarship rule is gone. Yeah. It's now the it's now it's just the 85-man scholarship rule that is holding you back. Mm-hmm. So... It's a little different, but yeah, you could still technically go over 85 if you wanted to. Yeah, that's a great point, Ed. That's a really, really good, and it raises a lot of questions and, again, a lot of concerns with NIL because, again, the NCAA, they held off, held off, held off, and then they let they opened the floodgates and just said, all right, here you go, free-for-all, and we're seeing the results of that right now. Great call, Ed. We appreciate you calling in. We'll get back to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Terry's on the line. Welcome in. Hey, Hey, Jacob. Hey, Carter. How are y'all today? We are right, fantastic, Terry. Terry. How are you, man? Fantastic. Beautiful day out there. Yes, it is. Um, I think Kevin still will do exceptionally well at Alabama. Agreed. Because he's done exceptionally well everywhere he's been, and he's going to have talent at Alabama like he's never had before. It's kind of like the Phil J- – well, different, but Phil Jackson argument. You know, Anybody can look good when they got Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. That's fair. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, fair. I mean, yeah. So He, he was a great coach, he was. He was. He was a fantastic coach. And he would have won anywhere he would have been. I don't know if he would have won three in a row or the level he did, but he would have won anywhere he went. I agree. Yeah, I mean, you could have so, put him, you could have put him, yeah, just about anywhere, and Phil Jackson was going to win in the NBA. He he was one of those guys that just knew, he figured it out. He knew what he was doing. Now, Jacob and Carter, is this Kevin Steele's second or third stint in Alabama? Third. 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 Wow. Yep. Third and he, stint. Now, make no mistake about it, Kevin Steele wanted to be the head coach at Auburn. I mean, I wish people would quit dancing around that. He wanted that job. He wanted to be the head coach. And there is a faction of money people who want him to be the head coach. That I think that's a bigger part of it, I mean, Terry. I, mean, I think it was – would he have turned it down? No. But yeah, do I fully not. agree – do I fully think that he was behind the whole scheme of, of undermining the program to try to become the head coach? I don't no. think so. There was a no. lot of money people that may have been, though. And I think that's bigger. That's a bigger part of it in a very complicated situation. Yeah, way bigger. But no, he just wanted to be the head coach to prove his head coaching with uh, abilities. I don't think Kevin still had any desire to undercut anybody. Yeah, um, I mean, and so and so that raises the question. Okay, that raises the question. We know the history of coordinators at Alabama. Is this a mm-hmm. way for Kevin Steele to go and coach there two or three years? He's he's a little bit older now, but. Is this a way for him to try and become a head coach because of the success of coordinators under Nick Saban? Um, probably, yeah. That could be that argument could be made, but I would make it because at seven, at sixty-four years old, yes, exactly. He better only be there two or three years, and not many programs outside the average ones are going to hire guys 60, 60, 67 years old. I agree. Wonder, you know, forty-year-old guys. I think guys he is ready to going go. to make a whole lot of money compared to other defensive coordinators around the country for a few years, and then when Saban hangs it up 
it wouldn't shock me to see um, Kevin Steele do something similar. But but going back to Kevin Steele, Auburn head coach Terry. Mm-hmm. Here's a question for you. Okay. If Kevin Steele had been the head coach immediately after Gus Malzahn. Where would the what would the state of Auburn's football program be right now? It'd be better than Harson, but not as good as it is now. Would he still be the head coach? No. I think he would be. I think he no, would be because it, too many people trying to undercut him and too much proof on the field that he's uh, he's pretty much a seven and five coach. And well, he, I mean, he can get he, he the, can get you the seven and five. Isolated Baylor instance before Baylor was any like Baylor was a horrendous program when he was the head coach mm-hmm. there. Right, I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, they they were not I good. Know, guys, I, like I said, I'm I'm very as you guys know. Without me going into a bunch of speeches, I, I am just tickled death about Hugh Freeze. That's oh, yeah. what I wanted. You guys yes. know that. Um, so, and I, 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 I said I often stated many times that he would be so appreciative of the opportunity he would just kick butt and take names. Yeah, and that's exactly, exactly what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. Terry, have we heard your thoughts yet about um, about uh, the quarterback from Friday? Have you did you call in on Friday? I can't remember. I apologize. I don't think I did, but I'll say this about that young man. He's got arms like a linebacker. Yes, he, he does. does. Carter brought that up. He is massive. His arms are – he's got arms. some guns. Yeah. Um, there are linebackers that aren't built like that. Yeah. There's linebackers that so, have played at Auburn recently that aren't built like that. I think I did call up and ask Carter off the air his size. I don't, I don't, you guys stated it. I'm sure you did, but I, I don't recall catching it. What, 6'4", six, 6'3", six, six, depending on where you look, he's listed at 215 or 225. Yeah, that's what I was looking And more probably on the 215, yes. 220 side, probably. I think, I think he's closer to 215 than 225. Okay, guys, let me ask you a question. Does this affect Auburn's future at quarterback? Maybe getting a, a um, graduate transfer. For this year? Yeah. Or for next? No, I don't think so. No, I think I, I think that there's still a plan to take somebody for 2023, and I don't think this is going to affect that, especially if you go get somebody who's a one-year guy uh, where Walker White and that kid may never be on the – on will never be on campus at the same time more than likely. I'm anxious to see what happens in the portal after spring. Mm-hmm. I'm still a believer that, that the Georgia guy, whoever doesn't get the job, is going to transfer – I'm also a believer that Jackson Dart may end up transferring somewhere. Well, I mean, he's got There's a, a good chance. Terry, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I think that that Ole Miss quarterback battle mm-hmm. could be a lot more interesting this spring than we realize. Yeah, Carter, you don't bring a fifth-year senior in to sit on the bench. Well, You're starting somewhere else. That's what I said. Terry, I, I, I just want to keep an eye on that this spring mm-hmm. because, I mean, I, I wonder – what we're going to be saying about that after after spring ball? Well, I had our discussions that Jackson Dart and Kiffin don't exactly have the best relationship. But you guys think there's any truth that's fair? That? I that mean, Carter's I, brought that I, up before. It points to that, but I mean, keep in mind, Terry, to end the season this past year, Spencer Sanders dealt with a pretty decent shoulder injury. What mm-hmm. if what if he has a Zach Calzada type type spring and he does not practice in the spring because of a shoulder injury? Because he has well, to have some sort of spring was basically sitting, spent rehab, wasn't it? Basically, I mean, he he threw a little bit, but and he, you he saw never went what live. that did. You he saw what live. happened with that. If if he were to dealing with the if he had lingering effects from the shoulder injury that he dealt with to end the year this past year, mm. and he was not able to go live in the spring, and he was super limited, how would that change your stance? Because at that point in time, then it's a Jackson Dart. Walker Howard 
quarterback battle, and I would give the edge to Jackson Dart, who's been in the system for an entire year. But Lane Kevin strikes me as the kind of guy that's more successful to what he wants than what he needs. And he wouldn't really care if he's going on off the field or not, quite honestly. This is not what I want to do. I want a guy I want to be I want the guy that can throw the ball down the field. I can go for him fourth and five on my own twenty six yard line. Yeah. He he's definitely that's more of his um his his mojo, if you will, for sure. I'm just I'm yeah. just saying that it that if Jackson Dart if Spencer Sanders has a cows out of spring Jen Jackson Dart runs with the ones all spring. You may not see Dart in the portal. And guys, one quick basketball comment. If Wendell Green was in the choir, he'd practice by warming up by going, me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Appreciate the call, Terry. I didn't know he was going to get off right there. But, oh, my goodness. That was that was a was, – is that considered a, a dad joke? Or is that just a really bad joke? But I thought it was still funny. It made me laugh. It still made me laugh. That's that. Hey, Ter- Terry's always got a good good one or two of those every now and then. Oh, he's good for a he's good for a, a jab every now and then. We appreciate Ed and Terry both calling in to start our number two. Uh, but we got to get to our first break. When we come back, I want to talk about some news of a decommitment in the SEC and a new Auburn recruit already calling his name. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067, Auburn up a like a sports leader. Again, big thank you to uh, Ed and then Terry uh, for uh, basically running the segment on the phones last last segment so we appreciate them calling in and having some really great points. Both of them had some interesting topics of conversation but um Here's something I want to talk about. I sort of teased it before we went to break. In case you didn't see today, there was a big four-star tight end, uh, Martavius Collins, who has decommitted from Alabama. He was obviously committed to Nick Saban in the Crimson Tide. He decommitted earlier today. And guess who retweeted it saying, love this, tagging Auburn football and Coach Hugh Freeze. Oh, it's Walker White, the quarterback who just committed on Friday. Well, I believe Martavius... Collins is one of the shout-out players after Walker White committed on Friday. One of the 14 players that Walker White shouted out in his commitment video is on Friday. He's a four-star on every service, top 160 on every service, with the exception of on three. On three feels like their ranking system's a little bit lacking. But, I mean, this is a guy that you should absolutely get excited about because if he were to come to Auburn because – he gives you a unique skill set. I think he kind of uh, he fits the the H back role in the Hugh Freeze offense that we've seen in the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is to see Walker White actively out there recruiting. I mean, he's he's on Twitter tweeting at Fat Burnett. Um, Fat Burnett tweeted out his picture from his visit yep. of him in an Auburn jersey and said, "What's the move?" And he tagged all the Auburn commits. And uh, Walker White quote tweeted and said, uh, "You know the move." So who knows? I mean, I think I think things are going to turn up a notch now that the quarterback's in this class. And to also mention that the quarterback is actively recruiting as well. I mean this this guy is not only not only did he basically flip from Clemson to Auburn on Friday as a commit, he's also 
He mentioned, like we've said, 14 different players that he called out saying, hey, come join me. And then when one of them decommits from not just any school, they decommitted from Alabama, he's already on top of it saying, hey, you need to come take a visit. You need to come see what's going on yeah. here on the Plains. I mean, that you cannot, you cannot put a price on that. You cannot put a value on that. That is, it's just so good and so big for your players who are already committed to be actively recruiting to your school. That's Especially sometimes a better. Quarterback. Yeah, and that's sometimes better than than coaches trying to recruit you because these are other players at your age who have committed their future to a program because if they're confident enough to do it, okay, maybe I can be as well. Well, I tell you what, this is another thing that's indicative of the culture being set by Hugh Freeze. What he's done in recruiting in 2022, uh, or in 2023, and uh, what he did in the transfer portal, what he's already started to do in 2024, landing Jaden Lewis and Walker White this past week. I've only heard positive things uh, about the the culture uh, in the locker room. I mean, you have Jeffrey Emba, who just, uh, I guess, an hour, 40 minutes ago, sent mm-hmm. out a tweet that said, when you... When you see everybody around you working hard, giving everything they got, and keep smiling and get ready for the next set, it's contagious. Hashtag new era. I mean, I tell you what, this is this is a there seems to be an energy, a um, vivacious manner around this program. It's a lot livelier, a lot better energy. It's it's. I'm very excited. Things seem to be progressing in a very solid direction. Well, we've talked about before how the the attitude and the uh, how do I want to say this? The attitude and the just the the feeling and the emotions and the actions of a head coach are what will shadow on to the players and everybody else in the building. It will reflect on everybody else in the program. I've, I've made this comparison. It's like a parent with their child, right? However the parents act, that's how the kids are going to act. It's the same way in sports. The way that the head coach and coaching staff acts will be reflected on the team and how they perform and how they act. That's just how this thing works. And so you already see that happening within the Auburn football program. Hugh Freeze came in. You want to talk about a culture shock and a culture change? This is it right now with Hugh Freeze at Auburn. And I tell you what, he's being very selective about who he brings into the program. Um, and we got some news, I guess, coming out of Oxford. Something I vaguely referenced. And this is an example of being selective, choosing the right people. Transfer quarterback Spencer Sanders is having shoulder problems, we are told, and is unable to throw right now. Could ham- hamper his spring production... How about that? Which is something Doesn't that... Doesn't that seem yeah. like that might be a reason why the trigger was never pulled on the scholarship there, especially if there is a plan in place, which there is no reason to this point in time to doubt that Hugh Freeze does not have a plan in place because everything has, to this point, it feels like it's been mapped out and scripted about what they need to attack, and they've executed that plan, and it's worked. So no doubt. To not offer Spencer Sanders the scholarship, to let him go to Ole Miss, and ignore that narrative that, oh, Ole Miss beat out Auburn for him. It sets you up for this spring where you can develop Robbie Ashford, but you also can take stock of what you have on the roster, and you can attack that in May. 
you had brought in Spencer Sanders and then he couldn't go all spring, you're kind of stuck. And you, it's, you're not going to be able to go add a guy that if you feel like you need to. And I think we have coined the term a Zach Calzada spring because that is what Spencer Sanders might go through where you bring in a guy who is expected to be the starter because Terry's right. You don't bring in a fifth-year senior, a four-year starter. You don't bring in a guy like that to sit on the bench. You just don't. But if they come in to be the starter and they don't go through the spring and they don't pick up the offense and they're not good enough to be your QB1, then you're just kind of screwed. Yeah, I mean, and you and you bring in the proper players, the players that fit the culture, players that don't, I guess, rock the boat, cause waves, aren't difficult in the locker room, aren't cantankerous or uh, anything like that. You you look for people that fit that that want to. You look for energy givers, not energy takers. You don't look for any energy vampires. You look for people to build this culture. That's that's what Elijah McAllister is. Yeah. What whatever he gives you on the field, um, as far as production, he's an unbelievable locker room culture guy, and he'll give you more behind the scenes. I agree. Well, again, uh, some news talking about the tight end who decommitted from Alabama. Walker White, the quarterback commit for Auburn, is already calling his name, telling him, hey, you need to come see what's going on here. And uh, it's good things happening right now. Good things happening with Auburn in recruiting football and basketball-wise. Before we get to the bottom of the hour break, just a reminder, I am about to dip out. Uh, I am heading over to uh, Lee Scott Academy as the state tournament is underway this week in the Elite Eight today and tomorrow. Varsity girls play tonight. Varsity boys play tomorrow night. Both teams playing Monroe. That'll be on AU100, AU100FM.com, and the AU100 app. That's 100.3 on your radio dial. So if you're looking for something to listen to tonight, tune in. Uh, Lee Scott Varsity girls, 5 o'clock against Monroe in the Elite Eight. Tomorrow will be Lee Scott Varsity boys against Monroe at 5 o'clock, and if both teams win, they will head to Montgomery Wednesday, Thursday, Final Four State Championship on Friday, and also Auburn High School basketball getting underway in their postseason as well. You have the area tournament. Girls play tomorrow on 96.3 W. Lee. Boys play Thursday, and if they make their championship games, those will be Friday and Saturday. So, tune in 5 o'clock AU100. I'll be there calling Lee Scott basketball in the Elite Eight. Carter, you're going to have Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network coming up in just a few minutes. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later. Stay tuned. Carter's got you for the next 30 minutes. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back to the Monday edition of On the Line. Carter Bird in the Auburn Network studio. Um, my co-host Jacob Goins. He is on the road, going to call some set up and call some Lee Scott girls basketball tonight on AU100. If you want to catch that, I think that game starts at five o'clock as Lee Scott uh, moves further into the high school basketball uh, playoffs, and they take on Monroeville tonight. I do believe. But uh, as we are always joined at this time every Monday, uh, we have our normal Monday afternoon guest, our 3.30 guest, Jacob Goins of the Auburn Sports Network on the line. Jacob, welcome in. How are you, buddy? Well, of course, Jacob Hillman, but Jacob Oh, I'm Goins, sorry. Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> there's, there, there, there's too many Jacobs on my brain right now, Jacob. I apologize. I can, 
I completely understand. It's already that time of year, though. High school basketball playoffs, man, I love it. But yeah. I- I'm doing well. Happy Monday. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, buddy. Well, uh, let's let's jump into it here and let's talk a little bit, I guess, about the the biggest game of the weekend when number 25 Auburn went on the road to number two at the time, now number six, uh, Tennessee, and were unable to pull off the upset, but they hung with them and they took a 46-43 loss. What did you see out of that matchup? Uh, and how did you think Auburn handled themselves in a hostile environment in Thompson Bowling Arena? Yeah, going into the number two team at the time in the nation and and giving yourself an opportunity to win the game, uh, that's that's what you that's what you ask for going into those types of games because you want to have that chance to just go in and be able to win the game. And unfortunately, the lack of offense is what 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 failed Auburn and and, and the shooting woes. I mean. When both teams shoot uh, down to the low 20%, uh, Tennessee in the higher 20%, it's, you're going to have that low-scoring affair, and you've got to make a big shot when it counts. And Auburn made some big shots, but uh, they didn't come consistently enough. And that's, that seems to be uh, – when, when Auburn plays these better teams, and Tennessee has a great defense, one of the best in the nation, mm-hmm. it, it's all about – finding someone that is your go-to guy uh, during the game. And, you know, Wendell Green hit that big three to cut the deficit in half when, when Auburn was down six towards the end of the game and then obviously forced a turnover and then you had a chance to, to tie it. But you still don't know exactly who's going to get the ball in those crunch time situations. It, it could be Wendell. It could be Janai. It could be out. And there are positives to having all these different guys that you think, okay, Maybe you give it to him, but you, you do. You would rather have someone that you know exactly where you're going to. And I don't really know if Auburn has that right now. But 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 overall, you have to take away some of the positives. A strong start. Obviously, the defense was uh, played really well in this game. So uh, I, I'm encouraged. I would have liked to see Auburn pull it off, but uh, I'm encouraged by a lot of the things I saw. Yeah, this team does not have a. Jabari Smith, or even a Walker Kessler that it feels like uh, if things are going wrong and you're in the paint, you can kind of throw it up in the general area of the uh, rim and you know that you've got the seven foot one guy with the longest arms in college basketball up there who's able to go get the basketball and, and, and lay it in or dunk it for an alley-oop. Um, with that in mind, when you have a game like this and Janai Broom is your highest field goal percentage player on the team at 5 of 13, and you you don't necessarily have that go-to guy, but you get rough games out of Wendell Green, out of Jalen Williams, Janai Broom, uh, Alan Flanagan. How do you see this team responding to that, and how do you see them uh, turning it around here and in what's probably the biggest week of the year now with this road game at College Station and then Alabama game day at home this weekend? Right, and I think Jalen Williams talked about it a little bit today and his media availability about they, they were upset after Saturday's loss, whether it was the way they played, the, the way that game uh, ended and, and the officiating there. Um, he, he talked about it. He said, we, we got into the locker room and looked around and said, okay, if that's the number two team in the country, we can win more games. And, and that's, that's, that's a great mindset to have. You just got to put it behind you and take what you can get from it. And you got to move on to – a Texas A&M team you just lost to 
less than two weeks ago, and and that was not a pretty loss whatsoever. That that was probably the worst loss Auburn has had this season, and I think that that this game tomorrow against Texas A and M, it's not necessarily a must win game, but you win that game and that can change the whole dynamic of, of the way this schedule goes. You, you've lost three of your last four, but if you win tomorrow's game, you have a chance to win four of your next five very realistically, and you never know what's going to happen on Saturday when the jungle's alive and, and that crowd gets into it and with game day in town. You never know. But realistically, four out of the next five is very possible if you get tomorrow's game. So I think just turning the page and, and focusing on Texas A&M, correcting all those mistakes you made uh, in the loss last time, uh, and, and let's talk about the guards a little bit, the, the defense and how the guards uh, of the opposing guards have done. Auburn's done a good job at, at limiting the scoring of the opposing guards in the last two games. So I think that gives me some encouragement uh, going into tomorrow and flipping the page there. So really, when you think about that A&M team in the first matchup, that A&M team is probably the most physical team in the SEC. I would say Tennessee's probably close uh, as well. And in both of these games against A&M and Tennessee to this point, it feels like Auburn's been out physicaled by both of those teams. They've been banged around down low. Uh, you see Tennessee crashing the offensive glass, getting 15 offensive rebounds in that game on Saturday. How do you turn that around? How do you how do you answer the call and bring the physicality that you need in this game tomorrow night? Well, you, I think you look at those first few minutes uh, in that Tennessee game and how Auburn really did establish itself uh, down low inside the paint area. Uh, Jalen Williams had a nice sky hook. Janai Broom, I think, hit two or three of his shots within those first few minutes. And it really looked like Auburn was flowing really well. It looked like... I uh, had a chance to, to kind of hold a lead for a majority of the game, but then obviously Tennessee went on a run, and Auburn finished the first half one for 19 from the field. And I think that's part of it is once you establish what's working, I think I think going back to it and, and continue, because it felt like Auburn started to settle for threes uh, in that last stretch of the first half. And, yeah. and, and a lot of them were good looks. A lot of them were good looks. You, you can't be mad at a lot of those shots that were taken. But I, I do think – when they weren't falling and you had that success on the inside, you had to go to that. You had to rely on that. And, you know, to your point about the physicality, establishing that, I think, can set a middle edge for you. And we, 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 we know Jedi Broom does have the capability to be the most physical player on the floor. And he has to assert that and show that. Uh, and Jalen Williams, I think he is a great player at – um, he, he might not be the most physical on the floor, but he knows how to play uh, when the other team is being physical. So I think those two guys really asserting themselves and establishing uh, what they're going to do early and often uh, is, is the key to that. Transitioning to, I guess, recruiting in a couple sports, last week was a huge week for <laughs> Auburn football, picking up the 2025 four-star Malik Autry, picking up the four-star corner uh, Jaden Lewis, and then uh, wrapping up the week, picking up a highly rated four-star quarterback in the 24 class in Walker White. What does that say about what Hugh Freeze is doing uh, on the recruiting trail and the momentum that he has built to this point uh, in his tenure? Well, when you're getting these guys this early in the cycle, it shows that Coach Freeze and the staff 
they are getting the guys that they want. They they are targeting these guys and and they're locking in on them and and they're they're getting them. And it, it it's it's nice to see uh, these guys be excited about committing to Auburn. I mean, Walker White was openly recruiting as soon as he committed, calling out guys one by one that he said, I'm going to go recruit these guys and bring them to Auburn. That 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 is something that, I don't know, Damari Alston was probably the last guy that we've seen do that, and it's something special mm-hmm. that I think it shows the, the characters and, and, and the personalities of these players, and I'm really excited to see how this continues in the, and, and on a consistent basis because right now you're, you're going to be in a little bit of a lull because the recruiting season has just ended. We're getting towards spring practice, but you're still going to see these commits come in, and, and that's, that's what's going to be exciting is the consistent uh, uh, kind of a commitment uh, that you get from guys that this staff is targeting. In basketball, Bruce Pearl picked up a couple highly rated fringe four-star, five-star uh, guards in LeBaron Filan and Tahad Pettiford uh, in the 2024 class. What does it say about what he's building for the future? He's got three highly rated guards coming in in the next two classes uh, about what he's looking for and how uh, this next, I guess, iteration of the Bruce Pearl-Auburn program is going to look. Yeah, 2024 is going to be an exciting class. and uh, It's already, I think it's third in the nation uh, mm-hmm. with, with Filan and and Pettiford, and uh, the big man's name is escaping me Peyton right Marshall. now. Right, and that is such a big deal, just to have that class kind of, a, you know, the core established uh, going forward. You already have that established, and, and that means this, this upcoming offseason, you, you can focus, you've got, you've got Aiden Holloway committed and signed. You can, you can go out and get a couple transfers to replace anyone that leaves this offseason, and, mm-hmm. and you'll have that, those guys with a year under their belt and already experienced going into that 2024 uh, season, but also specifically to those two guys that committed last week, I think you those guards are going to be special in 2024. I mean, theoretically, uh, you, you could have backcourt with Trey Donaldson, Aiden Holloway, uh, those two guys that just committed last week, and and, and it's just going to be really fun to see and you know chance westery he he, he was going to be able to grow in the offseason the next season mm-hmm. he's going to be a contributor in that backcourt it really shows coach pearl's commitment to to making sure that the backcourt of the future is going to be special and solid and i think that that year is going to show that you're, you're going to see some phenomenal talent and probably five-star talent out of all of those guys yeah, well, uh, I guess moving, transitioning one last time to a different sport, uh, Auburn Gymnastics is, I guess in the wins and the losses column, maybe not off to the hottest start, but they moved up to number five in the country as they post a 197.7 on the road at Alabama in a close meet that they ended up losing. Uh, but you have a season-high performance, and you have SUNY Lee posting two tens. What did you see out of that Meet and then uh, what should we expect from that team moving forward? Right, you're you're, you're exactly right about you know the wins and losses aren't uh, it, it's not it doesn't look the best right now, but that's also kind of irrelevant. It's in in the sport and how how mm-hmm. it goes. You want to win your home meets, which Auburn has done, and you also want to keep up a consistent score. And Auburn's done that as low as one ninety seven one seven five, and it's as high as the one ninety seven point seven posted on Saturday or on Friday. 
Uh, you got to remember, at the end of the year, your highest and lowest score will be dropped, and NCAA tournament seeding will be determined that way. So I think Auburn keeping a consistent pace uh, right there in the mid-197s, trying to get above that 197.5 range, that is going to be a big deal uh, going forward. Obviously, this weekend it's going to be a massive one uh, with LSU coming to town, a, a top top 15 program, top 10 in, in the nation. I, I, I really think that this can be the turning point where th- those some of these losses, which you face some of the best in the nation at Florida, that's a tough one, and then obviously in Vegas to start the season, a lot of those losses – our two top five teams in the nation. I, I really want to see uh, a win on Friday so that this team just builds more momentum going forward. Absolutely. It'll be exciting. That'll be a very packed out match or meet this uh, Friday between two really good programs. Well, Jacob, appreciate you coming on with us here today, buddy. Always good to catch up with you. Where can uh, the uh, people keep up with the work that you're doing and the work going on there at the Auburn Sports Network? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AAU. Follow the Auburn Sports Network at AAU Sports Network. We're approaching crossover season, so you're going to have baseball, softball, men's basketball, women's basketball, gymnastics, everything, all the content you could think of uh, surrounding the world of athletics coming from us. So uh, just stay tuned for all of that as we approach an exciting part of, uh, of the athletic year. And we are looking forward to hearing more of Jacob Hillman on the microphone uh, coming up here this spring. <laughs> that's always that's always a fun time. Appreciate you uh, joining us here today. We will uh, catch up with you next week, Jacob. Thanks as always, Carter. War Eagle. Appreciate it. That was Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. We need to get to our final break here of the Monday edition of On the Line. When we come back, we will uh, wrap up everything that we talked about here today and uh, send you on the way for the uh, our good friends over at The Drive. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Welcome back to the Monday, final segment of the Monday edition of On the Line. Carter Bird in the Auburn Network studio. Uh, my co-host and good buddy uh, Jacob Goins is... Over at Lee Scott Academy right now, prepping to uh, call the Lee Scott girls basketball game coming up in a little over an hour as they take on uh, Monroe in a, uh, I think, a might be Elite Eight basketball game, so a big matchup there. Uh, you can listen to that on ESPN, uh, or on AU100, uh, and then, of course, after we are done here, The Drive will be on after us with Bill Cameron. I think Dan Peck will be back in the studio after uh, a lot of traveling this past week. But, uh, yeah, we've today we talked about, obviously, the big week that Auburn has in basketball. And I really do think that tomorrow we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it. We're going to talk about how these next two games can define the the resume and the tone of this season moving forward for Auburn as they go on the road to Texas A&M, a team that got you in Neville Arena earlier this year. Uh, they seem to have a lot of success in in Auburn, but uh, you get a second crack at them. You, I don't think you expect to see them shoot the ball um, lights out the way that they did in the first half of that matchup. I think you can keep 
Tyrese Radford under wraps. He has not gone for anywhere close to that 30 points that he did against Auburn two weeks ago. Um, but I think Auburn has to answer the challenge this week physically. I think that you are coming off a stretch where you've lost three three of your last four. Um, your guards have not played particularly well in that stretch. The the, the Georgia game, everybody played well. Um, and in a couple of those games, you've been out-physical. You've been out-toughed. And this Auburn team needs to respond this week. I think that that's going to be the biggest thing that I um, am looking for this week is that I think that this staff has to challenge Auburn, and Auburn has to respond. Uh, and then also we we discussed the momentum that Hugh Freeze has had on the recruiting trail uh, with picking up Walker White. Uh, and Walker White's out there on Twitter. If you, if you follow him on Twitter or keep track of him at all, he's out there actively recruiting, and he is one of the more outspoken commits that we've seen Auburn have since Damari Austin. I think Damari Austin might be the best I've seen uh, in recent memory, but he's out here tagging players that he wants to join him on the class. Martavius Collins, the Alabama tight end, decommit from earlier today, already t- tagging Hugh Freeze, saying basically, hey, we need, we need to go get this guy, uh, communicating with Fat Burnett, the running back down at Andalusia, and, uh, I mean, even right after he committed to Auburn, the 14 names that he rattled off of guys he wanted to give shout-outs to, that's the evidence of just how important Walker White is to this class because of what he brings to the table. Um, the way he will move the needle, he will attract other talent. Um, and I think that this 24 class can, has a chance to be extremely strong for Hugh Freeze. I think it has a chance to be a top 10 class, first top top 10 class Auburn's had in a little bit. Um, But it's exciting to look at that. And then, uh, of course, Auburn has has the basketball recruiting as well that has taken off with what you've seen from from LeBaron Filan to Hod Pettiford, that 2024 class with Peyton Marshall, three four-stars there. You already have the five-star guard, Aiden Holloway. Uh, things seem to be trending up for that, and theoretically, honestly, uh, probably more than likely, in 2024, when Auburn is playing in the Maui Invitational, you have a chance to have Phelan, Pettiford, and Holloway all on the floor together uh, in some capacity, because I do not think right now you're likely to get a one-and-done kind of year out of Aiden Holloway, but I do think those are we might be seeing a new era of Auburn talented guards uh, coming through the program here in the next couple of years, but it'll be a very exciting. There's a very exciting future in the in football, in basketball. Gymnastics is doing its thing as they have risen all the way to number five in the country. Baseball has done extremely well here in the past couple of years, going to a couple College World Series. They're very young this year, but they are very, very, very talented. Uh, as they are about to get rolling. And then, of course, you have softball about to get rolling. But it feels like things are trending in the right direction for a lot of Auburn sports. Uh, Women's basketball unable to get the win this past weekend, uh, I think yesterday, against Arkansas. But they've won three of their last four. A lot of of reason for optimism. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how we're going to leave it here today on On the Line. We will be back tomorrow. 
Jacob Goins will be in the house. And uh, he may end up leaving a little bit early then, too. But uh, for now, that's all we got. We'll see you tomorrow.